Hey everybody, it's Phil Gothier with God Watch Podcast again. Thanks for coming back and listening to the show. Uh, this week we were fortunate enough again to be in Battle Creek, Michigan at First Westland Church. And uh, they are so welcoming. It was a wonderful time. Uh, we actually had the time between services because the gentleman we're talking to today actually was playing uh, on the stage. So he had to scoot out of there and, and get uh, up there to perform for the second service. But Nonetheless, it was a fantastic show with a whole lot of insight. Uh, his name is Steve Gagnon, and he's going to talk to us about just doing things his way and what he was doing and how it affected his life and then how he got involved with A Weekend to Remember and what that did for him. So sit back and enjoy Steve Gagnon, everybody. Steve, thanks for being with us. Hey, no problem. My pleasure. So uh, we're sitting here at your church mm-hmm. at uh, in Battle Creek, Michigan. It's First Westland. Is that First Westland right? Church? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm amazed. This place is beautiful. Yeah. You it know, is it's very nice. We've been blessed. A beautiful facility. Yeah. yeah. And so again, I want to thank you for for sitting down with us. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I know we, we just recently met, maybe five minutes ago. Right, so. right. Well, I'm 56 years old, so there's a lot of story to tell. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was raised a middle-class family. Dad worked at a factory here in town, cereal factory. Had uh, four siblings. Um, big family, raised Catholic. As far as my relationship with Jesus goes, I mean, I knew about Jesus, and, uh, but never read the Bible, anything like that. Uh, went to... Catholic school through eighth grade, went to high school, uh, married, well married, met my wife. We were kind of high school sweetheart. So did you guys, were you here in Battle Creek then? Yeah, I was in Battle Creek. Lived just a little, little north of town here and, and uh, my wife went to a neighboring school. So we were high school sweethearts. We got married, that's, I just figured that's what we do, you know, my, you just get married and you go get a job and you have kids and that's, and that's the American way, right? You just start life. And, uh, but I've always had a, I love music. So I've always been into music. I love Deep Purple, you know, and back in the 70s, I just remember thinking, you know, it'd be awesome to be a rock star, but I never had, just never really had the confidence or anything like that. But uh, I, I picked up the guitar and, and uh, one day a buddy of mine says, hey, that sounds pretty good and that's all I needed. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to be a rock star. So how, here she was, she married this guy, she marries this guy and then he decides he's going to be a rock star. So How old a guy were you? Uh, 21 at the oh, time. So you're still yeah. young too. Yeah, yeah. so we started playing, we were 80s bands, I had a big hair band, you know, we had our hair, like Aquanet was the thing to use back then, everybody had their hair blown way out. Most the, the, the contest was to see who could have the bigger hair. Right, but we had it was all the the 80s were uh, just rock and roll. It was, not, it was just about having a good time. Let's party. It was all about the party. So I was just out there running with the devil, you know, really, you know, like the Van Halen song, "Running with the Devil." You know, <laughs> recently married guy, your wife out there running with you? No, 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 she wasn't. I mean, she'd come. She was barefoot and pregnant. You know, within two weeks of us being married. So here she's got these two kids at home, and I'm out running around, chasing around. I had girlfriends. It was just, it was a crazy thing. And uh, so she'd had a, really had enough of that in uh, 19. Well, let's see, what was that? 80. We'd only been married five years. 86. She said, you know, enough's enough, and we split up for a year. You know, God uh, put us back together, 
And, uh, I've, you know, looking back now, you can kind of see how God guided your life. Oh, yeah. You know, how Jesus was, even when you're not paying attention, even when you're not the one, you know, even when you're not letting him in, he's still there, you yeah. know. And so he used other people. I mean, they were, they had this, my mom and, and uh, all the ladies at her church, they were like prayer warriors and they were praying us back together. I even had a call. We uh, went to a Catholic church, had a great friend of ours, old, old Irish army type priest, you know. Father Palmer was his name. What a great guy. But he called me in one day to talk to me when my wife and I were split up. And I hadn't been going to church, of course, you know, because I was just running wild. And Father Palmer, you know, says to me, says, Steve, he said, your wife, she's tall like the Statue of Liberty. She's got those two kids and she's proud. And look at you. You know, and I had big hair and these earrings and a shirt cut off and all that. And he looked at me and he said, he said, 20 years ago, I would have said, now, Steve, and he says, but I'm over that. He said, take out that bleep, bleep earring and cut that bleep, bleep hearing. And this is what this priest says to me. So I'm going, oh, well, thanks, chief. We called him chief. I said, thanks, chief. Uh, I'll take that under consideration. And I couldn't get out of there fast enough, you know. And I, I went and had a conversation with my dad shortly after that. I said, Dad, you know what the chief said to me? And I told my dad, and my dad kind of chuckled and said, sounds like something I would say. And I realized looking back at that, he was only, he was trying to knock some sense into me only because he loved me and loved my wife and kids and family. But ultimately, um, we got back together. It was, uh, in fact, we split up Good Friday in 86 and got back together Easter Sunday in 87. Man. Yeah, and it was, you know, um, had a lot to do with, I'm sure those people praying and, you know, and Father Palmer and just me thinking about, you know, hey, I love this, you know, I, you know, it was like, I love this woman once, Lord, I can love her again, you know, because mm -hmm. back then it was all about the feeling of love. I had no idea what love was, you know, I was just a young, I was 20 something. I, we, it's like my wife and I, we had no business getting married that young, you know, but hey. You know, and I, I think it's interesting is as young men, sometimes we, yeah, we, we are confused by the idea of of what love is and right. what's accomplished with it. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, sometimes the pain that we put these, you know, these women we love through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about you can do it again. Well, the question is, you know, in my case, you know, is, is the woman strong enough to keep you? Right. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard, you know, and, and having a, a, a good, strong wife to have that foundation with, man, it's been so critical in my life. And, you know, I, I think that that's, I mean, that's like my grounding rod, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so yeah. you come back to it, hope that everything works out, you know, and, and try to treat her right and try to do the best. So mm -hmm. I, I understand where you're at with that, too. She's but. always loved the Lord, too. And she was, she went to a Baptist church when she was just a little girl, you know, gave her heart to the Lord. And so uh, she understood the word and, and knew, um, you know, and, and so... When um, you know we we got back together, it was more of the same for me though. I mean, I I reverted back to my old ways. Um, I believed. See, I was I was uh, understanding that that this was a works based thing, and that to get to heaven you had to do this, this, and this. Yeah. You know, and that's just the way that I was taught. You know, and so. I just had pretty much, by the time I was in the sixth grade, given up because it's like, I can never be good enough to do this. I'm just hoping that like, I'll have a few minutes 
like before I totally kicked the bucket to say, Lord, forgive me and I'll steal my way in. I mean, that was the only way that I thought I was going to get there. And so I just thought, man, I'm going to have fun till I die, you know. And, and so fun for me, I'm trying, I'm, you know, the whole time I'm trying to fill this Jesus-shaped hole with stuff, with money, with fame and fortune and all that and things. And uh, the whole time the Lord has like given me little messages along the way. In fact, we, you know, as a musician, years later, uh, back in the, in the 90s, I started doing some theater stuff and then um, I was cast as to be an Elvis character. And then we put this Elvis show together, which is crazy. You know, here's a big hair guy that was gonna, wanted to be a rock star and now we've got this Elvis show. Now this Elvis show, we've played big venues everywhere. We got 20, 20 some people in the, in the production and it, it's just a recreation of a, you know, like of an Elvis concert, kind of bringing it into the now. Well, that was super successful. So I had, so, I mean, there's something to pump my ego up even more, you know. Now that fame again. Yeah, bit. so it's the fame. So it's like, here you got that. And then I started a real estate uh, business and that was very, very successful. And so I'm making a lot of money. In fact, my wife and I, we went to Vegas and we won some money in a drawing, you know. It was interesting because we won $25,000 in a drawing while we were staying at this hotel. And... Um, out there for an Elvis show, if believe it or not. But anyway, we won this twenty-five thousand, and after we won, we went up to have dinner, and we were sitting across the table from each other. We had just won twenty-five thousand, and we were like looking at each other, like we were miserable. Like, who are you? Who you know? We didn't like each other, and it was kind of like God saying, "So you want money? Here's some money. Boom. Is that making you happy?" You goofball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you look back at it now and you go, this was God. He, all these, all, he's just like, you know. The orchestration. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. So finally, it was 2004, February of 2004. We were calling it quits. We were done. You know, it's like, I just could. So this has been 20 years. I mean, yeah. You guys have been kind of on yeah. and off and yeah. on the rocks. and. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. We just celebrated our 35th anniversary last week, right? And everybody goes, it was 35 years of wedded bliss. And I said, well, 35 for me, only about 10 for her. Yeah. I mean, well, actually 12. Couple at the beginning, 12, couple at yeah, the end. Yeah, exactly. She, um, but in 2004, she heard something on the radio about family life uh, weekend to remember, which is a weekend for married couples. I mean, it's designed for all married couples, whether you're in trouble or not in trouble. Um, you know, it's like maintenance, right? Yeah. So I wasn't going to go. She asked me three times, though, and then she used the old Catholic guilt trip on me. She said, well, you can say no to me, but if you, you're really saying no to God, because I think God's the one who told me to ask you. And it's like, okay. So I said, I'll go to that weekend just so I can tell my kids. I had two, two kids at the time, two grown kids. I said, just so I can tell them that I did everything I could, your mother and I just aren't compatible, and I can go on and, you know, live my rock star life or whatever. Um, we went to that weekend to remember, and it was incredible. I mean, that's an incredible weekend. And I gave my heart to the Lord that weekend. And it wasn't the, like, you know, people talk about the experience giving their heart to the Lord, and it's this, oh type of moment, you know, and you know, the sky opens and the angels sing. It wasn't really like that. It was almost like, um, almost like God had me held hostage 
Because here's the, I'm thinking to myself, okay, God, okay, Lord, I want to have eternal life. So if I have to commit to this marriage to have eternal life, and if I'm going to commit to this marriage and do your will on earth just so I can be with you for the rest of life, then that's what I'm going to do. And I made the decision and I signed the book. You could sign the book saying I gave my heart to the Lord. And um, I pointed and showed my wife and she's going, yeah, right. I mean, because here's somebody, we were getting divorced. We'd already decided who was taking what, who was getting the house, all of that, split it up. And um, I'm pointing at this book, showing her my, and she's going, yeah, right. But within a week, I was chasing her around like a school kid. I was like... All, all the feelings had come back, all of the, it, it was an amazing thing. And then my wife and I watched the new me. And you know, they talk about, you know, the old is gone, the new has come, you're a new creation in Christ. It was like that. It was like an out-of-body experience watching this new guy. If, if somebody would have told me I'd be doing this kind of an interview talking about Jesus and how he changed my life, if you would have talked to me in 2003 or before, I would have said, you are a nut job, you know, yeah. or a fruitcake. I mean, I looked at people like me, like, what a nut job, you know? So, but we, um, it was, it, it became very clear to me that the Lord was going to use me to help other people stay married right away because I'm in real estate. I get called all the time for people saying, we got to sell the house because we're getting divorced. I start telling people, hey, this isn't God's plan. Yeah. This is not God's plan. There's a way. You can go to this weekend to remember. I remember turning down listings saying, you don't need to sell the house. You need to go to this weekend. My wife and I have taken about 250 people back to that weekend, married couples, wow. over the last, what is it, 12 years. And you've seen the change in these people? Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness. It's so You never know what's going on inside somebody's relationship yeah. because everybody acts like everything's fine. People thought yeah. we were fine, yeah. right? Yeah, the truth is sometimes the hardest place to get to. With them. Exactly. You know, I mean, everybody wants to put on that, that mask, that yeah. sheet that says, hey, we're... We're doing just fine, keeping up with the Joneses like everybody else. And yep. when you finally get down through it and, and break through those walls mm -hmm. to see what's happening, I mean, that's that's that real person. And, and just for them to be able to let people in, you, you got to do that before you can even help them. Right. You know, I mean, it's we got to do this together. So we were allowed to share our testimony at uh, our church here, First West, and it helped a lot of people. They came forward, and and of course, you know, I had an addiction uh, to pornography. And as soon as I gave my heart to the Lord on that Saturday, now I was, a, I mean, I'm talking addicted. I'm talking looking at pornography at least once a day, at least on the computer. And it was getting into sicker and sicker and sicker stuff. It was like when you, it's like taking drugs. You got to look at something a little bit more just to get the same buzz, you know. And, um, and I was instantly healed of that. That was, and that was amazing because a lot of guys tell me that like they, I still have friends that struggle with that. We can constantly pray. Um, but that was, in fact, Sunday when I went home, I had this tapes and uh, magazines. I threw them all in a big trash bag and, and threw them out. My wife watched me do that. And um, the pornography was one of the biggest wedges in our marriage because now looking back at that, that was probably the cause of so much because you think, oh, yeah, this is harmless. And, oh, if God didn't want me looking at these women, he wouldn't have made them so beautiful. But it's a total, that's a total lie. It's like this... You know, like uh, the evil one takes something that is so beautiful that God created and turns it into something that's like sinister or twisted, twisted and, and yeah. not good. It's like you, you just, uh, but the, th you know, so once the pornography was out of my life, then my wife became beautiful to me again. It's like rejoice in the wife of your youth. It's like 
you know, and especially this, I tell so many guys this, it's like, dude, if you're looking at other women, even if you're looking, like if you even glance at a woman too long and your wife sees you do that, that's a total betrayal. Because I'm going to tell you right now, she is the well. She's your well, and that's where you'd get your water. And that's the only place you get your water. And I'm telling you right now, if they know they're the only well you're going to, they're going to make sure there's water in that well for you. I mean, duh. <laughs> you know, and, and on the pornography side, it's, it's been interesting in talking with people and seeing the, the woman side of things, too, and mm -hmm. how betrayed they feel and oh, yeah. how you know how much they don't always rationalize it the same right. way you know they they see that as is that what you want of me is that what you right you know is that what you're looking for even though I, most of the people i've talked to the answer is no that's not right. you know right and and just to be able to get that uh i don't think that always registers the same way and the, i think that's where that deep hurt and those things come from that the, mm -hmm. that as you know, some of the ladies I've talked to have dealt with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we studied, like, you know, when I was getting ready to do the, um, my presentation or my testimony here at church, I was looking at the numbers, and, and that was uh, in 2012. The pornography industry was making $13 billion a year, which is more than ABC, NBC, and CBS all together make yeah. in one year. Well, so somebody, it's like, and I'm just trying, I'm thinking, and there's so much of it that's free, so people are paying. It's like, what? It's just crazy. It's, and it, statistically, one out of two Christians are looking at pornography. Yeah. One out of two. So I told everybody in the church, guys sitting next on either, if you're not looking at it, the people on either side of you are, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, but it's, it's, a total, it's a total betrayal. It's destroying our marriages because distraction, when you're distracted by looking at somebody else, leads to dissatisfaction with what you have. And it, it's, uh, it's the biggest trick, and it's one of the evil one's biggest tricks in his book right there, is pornography. It's biggest, one of his biggest tools. You know, I think that it's crazy too when we look at, at society. You know, I remember when uh, the, what was it, Blu-ray and mm -hmm. the other one was competing with each other and they right. said, well, whichever direction the porn industry goes right. will be yeah. the direction the technology takes. Right. You know, and now with the, with the virtual reality and all the different new technologies mm -hmm. that are coming out, it, it, it's mind-boggling mm -hmm. that the pornography industry drives our technology industry in some mm -hmm. places. You know, it's you know, they talk about new creation. You give your heart to the Lord, things change in your mind and in your body. And and um, I remember, you know, not being not looking at porn anymore. And I went out to list this guy's house and I, I walked into his barn and there was a like a 1966 Playboy centerfold showed naked breasts, you know, and that was... And, Ra racy for the time. Right, yeah. but when I saw that, it was like instantaneously like, oh my gosh, turn, I turned away and like was immediately aware of that when before that was like, kindergarten. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that was like, so when you become, when you let Jesus in and you let the Holy Spirit really take over, that stuff will make you, that stuff will make you sick because the Holy Spirit can't be there if that's there. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you look at that guy, he, he's got it hanging on his wall. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and you go to these different places. One of the things that I have always found is that Things like that. If if you're actually out doing the work and you're out there, 
you know, trying to help people and, and trying to bring people to Christ, you know, you know exactly where to start, mm -hmm. you know, and being able to work off of your life experiences. I mean, I, the relationships that I have built personally, you know, through through our congregation and, and different ministries, and they have been successful, at least in, in what I have felt, because I can play back to my life experience. I don't have to give them, John blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 says this. I can say, listen, I went through this. And, you know, you know I'm, I'm a little younger than you. Back in 2001, here's what I was doing. Here's, here's what I was doing. I was in your exact same shoes. Mm -hmm. it, it's been able to be fantastic. I remember uh, we used to, before me and my wife had children, we used to travel to Honduras mm -hmm. um, and, and do some missionary work down there. And uh, we would go to this orphanage and eventually we got to the point where we were leading trips down there. I had this kid and he, next thing I know he's sick and trying to figure out, did you drink the water? What did you do? Well, it turned out he was detoxing. The kid oh. was addicted to Oxycontin oh, wow. and decided to go cold turkey in the mountains of mm. rural Honduras, mm. you know? And so I sat down with the kid and finally figured out what was going on and talked to him and, and said, man, here's, here's what you're gonna feel like in two days. Here's what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And it was almost exactly what he went through. And you know, I, without having life experiences, I would never be able to, to get that kid through it. And he would have, I think, struggled far more. And it's been an interesting story for me because now, he, he came clean with his parents, you know, he, he's made amends, he's clean now, and it's fantastic. But, you know, at that time, you know, I'm trying to convince everybody else on the trip that, you know, he ate a bad apple, right, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I didn't want to draw attention to this. But just being able to teach people from the experiences that you've experienced, I think, makes it more real for them. It makes it not seem insurmountable. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we get so far buried under all that trash that we dig up that, it's hard to get out of. Yeah. So one of the when we went to the weekend, I remember the first time we bought a whole bag full of books and reading material because I realized it's like I need to educate myself and in any way that I can. It's amazing that you know here was a guy who was 44 years old at the time that had no clue how a, a woman was put together as far as you know. I mean, when we got married, I just figured, yeah, she's the same as me, only has cool body parts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that's what we think as men, but they're totally different beings. In fact, there's a different word in Scripture that describes when God made women. He fashioned the word talks about fashioning them. He like painstakingly fashioned them. She's. I mean, when they created the animals and the earth and everything else and man it was all the same but this is a different word they used for for woman and you know they can multitask as men we can't multitask they operated at this high emotional level all of the time that's why the best advice you can give to any young man who's getting married is to shut up and don't say a word yeah. bite your tongue and think like think 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 before you ever say anything because they have a human tape recorder it's like they have a high emotional level and so you remember, you remember as a man, like you remember when you first met your wife, there's maybe a song or a place that you guys went that brings back this feeling. Oh yeah. Well, okay, and that's, you, that's awesome. Like you'll hear the song, it'll trigger you back into that feeling. Well, women are like that all the time, dude. I mean, they, I got like one or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they're like that all the time. They have, it's a, they're human tape recorders. They think we're the same too. Like if your wife asks you, hey, what are you thinking about? And you say nothing. They get irritated because they can't think of nothing. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. I mean, that's it's a, like guys, a, we have a nothing conversation box. we have all the time. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll be sitting there. What are you thinking about? Nothing. nothing. 
And I can seriously, I stare off into space and mm -hmm. just be satisfied. That irritates them. They are like, uh, if you look at, you know how you got an iPhone and there's like a hundred windows open in an iPhone. That's what a woman's brain is like. Yeah. A guy is like an old fashioned phone that can call one thing at one time. That's it. <laughs> We're like a two-track dirt road. They're like a super highway with all these exits and on-ramps. That's the way. I mean, their brain is fascinating. That's why they can multitask. God made them that way. He made them that way for us, for our well-being and, and, you know, society and like TV and everything. They've just taken, they've twisted all of it. You know, they've, they've twisted women saying, you know, oh, they're just PMSing and they're doing this and they're just bitches or whatever. Yeah. That's, what, that's what the TV and society, and then they want to paint this picture of men being ignorant morons, yeah, the you know, no respect from the family. Yeah, yeah it's walked on. So it's ridiculous. It's really important for uh, guys like you and me to grab these young guys that are getting married and to explain like the differences. I mean, really, they should have classes in school. Are you kidding me? I mean, you got to go to. I mean, you got to go to school. You got to go to driver's training. Yeah. I mean, you spend more time learning how to drive a car than you do how to drive a marriage, yeah. right? You know, and it, you know, you talk about the the going out. You know, I, I think going out and meeting these guys that are getting married. I know a lot of young guys who have been getting married, and it's always interesting, kind of sitting back in the background and listening mm -hmm. to how other men talk about this in some of the different men's organizations that I belong to or, you know, different groups of friends, uh, you know, there's a lot of unhappy marriages out there. Oh, yeah. You know, and they'll, oh, your life is over. Your life is done. Oh, I can't believe you're doing that. Oh, you know, don't do it. I usually pull that guy aside and tell him, listen, getting married is the best thing that's it ever is. happened to me. Amen. You know, they, they complete, uh, I am not that responsible. There's no way that I should have kids by myself, you know, I'm right. still a kid. Mm -hmm. But uh, they just hold everything together. Money, house, everything else, that stuff can burn up, that stuff can be gone. Mm -hmm. As long as I have my wife and my kids, mm -hmm. I think I'm okay. You know, we can we can make it. We right. don't need stuff. I need I need a family. Yep. You know, and to get to the point where that that's not important. Or I know these guys who have entered into marriages and it's never been that important to them. You know, I was doing a job in this guy's house. Uh, it's probably been two weeks ago now, and, and they he was talking about, oh yeah, we're getting married, and his wife was gone for two weeks, and and uh, you know I was like, well, how's it been with her gone? Oh man, it's been great. <laughs> you're not even married yet, and you're already talking about how great it is that oh she's gone. Goodness. Like you know, I understand a little, a little, little weekend away, you mm -hmm. know, something like that. It kind of refreshes. It makes things new. It's right. not bad to be apart for time. But I remember my my wife left before we were married. She went to Australia for for some schooling. Um, they had a study abroad trip, and she was gone for a month. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't even think we've set a date yet to be married. Man, I desperately missed her. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, she would she would call from Australia, and I would look mm -hmm. forward to those calls. You know, and, and we wouldn't talk for long, maybe two or three minutes, but just to know that she's there and she's still thinking about me. You know, now that we're married, it's even deeper. And you know, those things are what drives me. I go to work not because that's what I want to do when I wake up. I go to work because I want to be able to give my kids and my wife and my family the things that I can provide them, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah, I totally I totally get that. But yeah, I think that far too many young guys just go into it thinking, hey, we're buddies, we're friends, this mm -hmm. is gonna be great. Mm -hmm. And not with that deeper understanding, you know, of, of what it is. And yeah, I mean, the more that, the more that we can kind of teach these young guys and, and show them a positive influence in relationship, I think that it's, 
going to be leaps and bounds for the marriage that they're entering into. Well, that weekend to remember, I can't say enough how every young guy who's thinking about getting married should take his wife. I mean, they have it set up so that people who are pre-marrieds can go to that same weekend. And uh, they have it set up for people that have blended families that have come from divorce and that are remarried. They have a certain section, you know, for them because they deal with stuff that, you know, you and I don't deal with. Yeah. Um, you know, ex ex-spouses, you know, and stepchildren and that, that type of thing. So all that stuff is hard. And, but um, this weekend to remember thing, I was, you know, we took 250 couples to that. They, I mean, I can't tell you how many have said when they come out of that weekend, they go, this was our last resort. You had no idea when they went in, yeah. but they said this was our last resort. And it's, and it's amazing. I've heard that it's worth a year's worth of counseling sessions in one weekend because it's this continuous thing that goes from Friday night all the way to Sunday at noon. And it's just, it just makes so much sense. Makes so much sense. I think that, you know, sometimes when we step back, we look at different things that have happened in our lives and we're, you know, why did God make this happen? Why did he put me through this? And think of the reward, though, when somebody walks up to you and they says, you've changed my life. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm -hmm. we just want that one person. You know, my, I, you know in, in working with youth ministries and different things like that, if I can change one kid's life, mm -hmm. it made it worth it. And now that we have these, these things that are equipped that for us were struggles and, and were hard, you know, mm -hmm. and we made it through. And now we can equip the next group of people to do that. That's such a rewarding right. situation. Yep. So. It is. And you got to talk about the hard stuff. You th think about it, you know, I forget the scripture because I had it memorized at one time. Anyway, it talks about no temptation has seized you, but what is common to man. Yeah. You know, but God will not allow you to be tempted more than, you know, you can stand and he'll give you, always give you a way to stand up under it. it you know, what that says to me is that you have the same temptations I do. Everybody does. Everybody has the same thoughts and we tend to, we don't want to talk about those things. We don't want to talk about pornography addiction. See, the thing, if, if you bring it into the light, it doesn't have its power. It doesn't have the evil power anymore. Yeah. It can't, it it, you know, it can't rule over you. It can't rule guilt over you. And so by bringing, you know, talking about that here in church to the congregation, talking about my pornography addiction and how the Lord healed me of that, so many guys came forward to me and said, Steve, I'm so glad you talked about that. I thought I was a freak. I'm thinking, dude, how, you know, yeah. you're not alone. You know, I mean, you're not alone. We can get through this. Far too many people walk around with that mask on, you right. know, and, mm -hmm. and just want to hide, mm -hmm. hide their true selves. And, um, you know, and it's far too often within the church. Mm -hmm. You know, in the church, we're supposed to, right. we're supposed to be uh, a little soft with each other. You know, mm -hmm. we're supposed to let each other in, do that community, right. join those small groups, do those small things, groups, yep. do those things that really we can open up and we can share our life so that we can have the our brothers and sisters scoop us up. And you know, we all have times when we're down, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to have that support structure and that system where. You can make a phone call and say, man, I messed up. Here's mm -hmm. what I'm going through. Or, hey, here's, here's what I'm thinking, you know. And the one thing that I find, too, is that a lot of people still have triggers, mm -hmm. you know, and it's different for everybody. You know, what is going to make those, those thoughts and those, that history kind of pop up in your brain? Mm -hmm. And how do, you, how do you stay away from that? Right. The idea that you have somebody that you can call or you have somebody that you can lean on and, and give them that honest feedback and that, that 
your your real life experience so that they can support you. They can say, listen, you don't need that or mm -hmm. I'll come and get you. Yep. You know what I mean? You come spend the night at my house. Yep. You know, it's it's your dad. Yeah. Your dad Ronnie, that's my that's my buddy. I yeah. mean, him and I were in a men's group together, so that's the guy I can call that guy, you know? I can call him about anything, talk to him about anything. Yeah. You know, and and that's a that's a cool thing to have because you know, and I remember when we first got into our small group, and I remember a small group leader saying, we're going to call each other. And I said, what? We're going to call each other during the week and see how we're doing. It's like, what? We're going to turn into a bunch of girls. What are you talking about? We ain't calling nobody. And now we call each other all the time. You know, even if we haven't talked in a long time, we'll call each other. And you, you know that you can count on that guy. He's always there, yeah. you know, uh, to support you. And that's what we need, you know. Uh, like you said, the small group thing, that's huge. I mean, I would... I would thoroughly, just totally recommend anybody listening to this, this cast right here to go out and investigate getting into a small group. Even if it's not organized by your church, find another, you know, uh, somebody who reads the Bible, who loves Jesus and is in the Word and just hook up with one, one two. It doesn't take, you know, two, three people. Exactly. You know what? And not everyone might be a fit either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And if it, if it isn't a fit, try another one. Don't, yep. don't give up because yep. I know that you know, me and my wife, we've done quite a few, couple of small groups. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first two that we did, they were not for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we wanted one that really focused on studying and, and, and growing deeper with that group of people and growing in Christ. And, you know, the first one, you know, the leader just uh, didn't, didn't quite fulfill what we were looking for at the time and the place we were in life. And, you know, it, that's okay. And then the second one really was a, a social group. You know, we got together and we barbecued and we played volleyball and, you know, we did all these things and it was really fun, but it stayed at that surface level because mm -hmm. it didn't have that biblical backing, mm -hmm. you know? And, and since then we've really been introduced to really good couples and, and really grown with them and our kids and just seeing that development has been, it's been amazing. Um, so now back, you know, the, the main thing that, that I know when we got together, we were, you know, to talk about that marriage and, and the different things that come into, you know, got involved. And how can, for, the, for those of the men and women who are listening, uh, what kind of advice would you give them? You know, is there something that you would say, hey, here, if you're struggling, if you're doing this, what can, what can they do? I mean, what can you, can you help them to, you know, with just a quick little inspirational thing to, to say you can get through it. Here's what, and I know it's not the same for everybody, but, you know, is there there is hope out there. You're sitting in yeah, front absolutely. of me. You're a happy guy. you got a smile on your face. Right. What, what, uh, what can you do to... Well, I would say if they're, having, if they're having trouble with their relationship with their spouse, go to the weekend to remember. They do them all the time. They're all over the United States. They even do one on a cruise. But look that up, family life. Uh, family Life Weekend to Remember. It's all over. You can just type in Weekend to Remember. You'll find it. Uh, it's Dennis Rainey, I think, is the leader of that organization. So, And I get nothing for endorsing that. It's just done, a, it's been a miracle in our life. But it's all, it all has to do with that relationship with Jesus. And, and what that's done, I mean, I thought before I gave my heart to the Lord that I was going to have to give up my freedom and what I realized is I was in bondage. And once I gave my life to the Lord, that was true freedom. I, I know some guys go, they don't want to go to church or they don't want to give up their freedom because they think, or they don't want to give up their pornography because they think they're 
they're giving something up, but really they're in bondage. They're, what they're going to do is break free of their chains. And I've told guys who are addicted to pornography, I said, if you get that pornography out of your life because, and bring God into your bedroom with your wife, it'll be the most erotic experience that you've ever had in your life because God created that. God created sex for our pleasure between a man and a woman. Yeah. He created it for our pleasure. I mean, it's amazing when you think about that. And you bring him into the bedroom and he is, he is I mean, he's there anyway. You know, it's uh, so much has happened in the past, you know, where it's taboo to talk about sex or, you know, and so that's been, that's been a big tool for the devil. As long as anything's taboo, he can use it to his advantage. Yeah. And uh, of course, the devil's not omniscient, so I don't want to give him any more power than he has. He doesn't have, he has, uh, God is totally omniscient, can read our minds, read our thoughts. The devil can't read our minds and read our thoughts, but he can develop a playbook with his, his dark angels that are hanging around, right? Yeah, yeah and they, they, I mean, they've, they've seen guys like you and I. We got the same, I mean, we're all about the same. We're all about the same, little variations. So they know how to make things happen, to, to make certain things happen, you know, and get you to go a certain way or whatever. But if you follow scripture, it, um, it messes them up because they don't know how to, they, they can't deal with Jesus. Yeah. I mean, they can't be where Jesus is. They can't be where the Holy Spirit is. You know, it, 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 people in Christ, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we are. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. they, there's nothing that can really stop that. If that's, if that's the direction that we mm -hmm. choose to go and that direction that we want to live in, there's nothing that can stop that. Right. Yeah. So I, that's why I just say, you know, if there's somebody who's a non-Christian, you know, that hasn't quite decided yet or whatever, and they are um, listening to this right now, they probably sound like, I probably sound like a nut job. But because, and I know, because I thought the same thing. But I could talk for hours, you know. Well, and I know we got to get you in so that uh, so we can get this second service started. Right. So I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. And uh, my hope pleasure. That this is just the beginning of your long relationship. Yeah, yeah. Right. And feel free to give your listeners my phone number if they want to chat. I mean, I'm happy to. All right. Two six nine four two zero twenty four forty eight. All right. There you go. There you they go. They got it. <laughs> they can call me if they got any questions about the weekend to remember, or they got questions about my journey, or they want talk about their struggles, whatever. I'm, I'm here to help. That's my whole mission since 2004. My mission is to be fishers of men and try, so that nobody will perish. You know, that's what we want to do. Yeah. Right? And that's, and you got to be doing something, right? You just gave your phone number out. There right? you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for your time. Hey, pleasure. It was a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, nice meeting you and, too. Uh, thanks again. Thank you very much. Again, a big thank you to First Westland for opening your doors for us and being so welcoming and for Steve for being so open and just letting us understand a little bit about his life. Remember that you can always stay in touch with us on Facebook at the God Watch Podcast. Stay up to date on all the shows and kind of what's happening. Send us a message, contact us on the website, and that's godwatchlive.com. Have a great week and be blessed.